I want to give you the passage. We believe it's referent to stand while we're reading God's word. And today it's two verses. <laughs> One time Jen said, you're giving them the whole Bible today. She was messing with me because it was like a chapter. <laughs> but today it's only two. First Corinthians chapter four, verses one through two. Paul says this then. Everybody say this then. Say it fast three times. This then, this then, this then. It's kind of a tongue twister, yeah? Is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, everybody says together, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove. Everybody say prove. Faithful. You ever heard the phrase talk is cheap? I'm not saying it's graceful to say that, but it's, it's kind of what he's saying there. It, it's, it's proven. It's proven. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. As you take your seat, look to your neighbor and tell them, who are you watching for? Who are you watching for? I didn't used to lean so much on the pulpit. Is that old age? Is that post-corona? He had corona. I sure did. <laughs> I still, here's how I say it at home. I ain't right. That's how I say it at home. But as a pastor, I am not feeling correctly. I'm still not totally right. I mean, I'm not contagious. Don't let me scare you, but I'm still not right. Like I got this swelling in my face all the time. There's sinus issues. But I had a sinus issue, and not anybody wants to know my laundry list of sickness here. But pre-corona, I had a sinus problem for like six weeks. So I think it's just the same thing. I'm not sure. But if you could just pray that God heals my sinuses, I'm, I'm having like migraines every day. It's weird. So antibiotics aren't doing anything, but the Lord will take care of it. So, and maybe some nice weather in the spring. Last week, we started a series called Watch Ready. And this is a two-part series. And this is week two, or part two, of Watch Ready, which is based on what it means to be a steward for Jesus, a steward for the Lord. And before I get into that real quick, I want to encourage you to take the remaining classic OS swag out on the table. And Vincent, I'm going to fall into your suggestion that if nobody takes it today, you just find somebody. If the youth want to take it, go ahead. Last week, he's like, can I give it to the youth? I'm like, well, what if somebody doesn't have the swag? And now we're like, let's give it to the youth then. It's all youth shirts left. Um, free shirts out there. They're youth sizes um, and coffee mugs. And that's another round of coffee mugs on the table. Last week, y'all cleared it out. Thank you for that. Get the word out in your coffee drinking social experience outside of the Sunday experience here at One Seat. Yeah, you like how I did that? <laughs> uh, what else can I tell you really cool? Going how many like the walls going up out there? It's nice, but, you know, really when there's drywall, I'll be happier. Well, we're working on it. We're trying. No, it's, it's, it, I was so excited to see the walls because then you guys can start seeing what's going to be. <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet. Wait till you see this part. It's going to be blowing your mind. Sorry about the creepy laugh. Okay, let's get back to preaching before I scare the, the visitors away. Last week, we talked about this idea of being a good steward and to be watch ready when Jesus comes back for his sheep. 
And in the text last week, Jesus makes the notion that he expects us to be doing things he commissioned us to do when he arrives and a wise and faithful servant operates the same regardless if the master knows or is present. That's good, right? It's easy to do it when mom's looking. But what about when mom and dad aren't home, you know? What about when God, the king is away, he says, but the thing is God is always looking. And we talked about that. God knows either way. You can't run from God. I tried it. It doesn't work. I tried it in my 20s. I thought I could like play God a little bit and do what I wanted on certain days of the week. And uh, he said, I see you then too. And that was a humbling experience for me. It changed my life forever. As we continue learning about what it means to be a good steward of Jesus Christ today, we will cover how we take what we've been given and use it to glorify him and how that translates into the lives we embrace daily. Everybody say daily. On Sundays, no, daily. How many days are in the week? Seven, not two, seven. We do this every day. Sunday's how we come together and worship. We learn a little bit about the Lord, but then we take it into the week and we apply it in everything we do. That's what a steward is, an agent, a representative of the one we are stewarding. Each of us have something so special inside of us that God put there. What are you going to do with the gift he gave you? Did you know you have a gift? We're going to get there. Some of you don't know you have a gift. And then we're going to even touch more that some of you think the gift you have is the one God wants to use, but there's something bigger he wants to use. He doesn't want to use that gift. Oh, snap. I didn't know that. Well, you're going to find out. Because when you embrace God, he's going to pull gifts out of you you didn't know you had. (laughs) Let me tell you. Entrustment, everybody say entrustment, happens through proving. Let's say it together. Entrustment happens through proving. Proving. Remember he said, now it requires that those who have been given a trust must be proved, must prove faithful. It says God, remember, remember Abraham, God accounted him as righteous, but Abraham was going to do what it was that qualified him for the righteousness. It's just God knew ahead of time, but Abraham had not done it yet. And we're not talking about Abraham, but I'm giving you another example where God did this. He's given you a trust factor here, but it's how you prove that you're going to handle it that makes you a steward. See the difference? Like, I can decide to follow Jesus, but I don't have to follow Jesus after I decide. There is a difference. So, that's why we have to understand that we're stewards. And we'll look at this Christian walk differently. We'll eliminate all the politics. We'll eliminate all the uh, bureaucracy, denominational confusions and all the things. And we'll, we'll bring it back to the, the gospel and get out in the sand and walk with the disciples. Who's comfortable in here today? Is the air feel okay, the heat? How would you feel if it was 90 in here? Well, actually, actually, Nolani, how would you feel if the heat wasn't working? One time we walked in before we fixed the furnaces, and she said, it's really cold. <laughs> and I, I took note. I said, I don't forget nothing, except the really you know, important things my wife tells me. <laughs> Are you comfortable? Maybe that's not a good thing. It's good to be comfortable right now. But do you live there? My dad once told me a story. He said he was watching a, um, he used to watch TBN. Oh, snooze fest. Oh, wait, that's, a, that's the broadcast network for the Lord. Maybe I should watch that too. I'm more of a Daystar kind of guy. Maybe 10 years down the road. I'm not there yet, Dad. I'm working on it. But what I'm saying is you told me a story. By the way, my dad is back after being really sick for like, Six weeks. 
Dan, just, Dan, just wave your hand like, yeah, that's me. That's my mom and dad. That's my Italian mother and my Welsh father. <laughs> A good combination. Um, he said, you know, I was watching these, these commercials on, in between the show on TBN, whatever. He watches preaching like all the time. And he said they were building wells and I was just sitting there in the AC eating my cashews. Remember that? Barrett Haven. I was just sitting there eating cashews and uh, so I felt compelled to help him build a well. So I ordered a well or whatever because he was basically saying and admitting it, I got it pretty good. I live in a comfortable world. And so it's good to be reminded of how good we have it because even when we think we have it bad, we've got it really good as Americans. This country is, is so good. We're free. We have freedom. Do, are people annoying still? Well, yeah, but we live in a free country. We can pursue the American dream. We can go after anything and we can make it happen if we work hard. That's really true. And so, so it can always be worse is what I'm saying. But I'm, I remember him saying that because I thought, well, that's kind of how I am too. Like if it's a degree off when I go to bed, I'm, I'm unhappy. I had to buy a smart thermostat just so I can control that at bedtime because, because I wanted to be, you know, chilly or I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. And when I'm not comfortable, guess who gets my attention? Jesus. So good. How many like cold showers? <laughs> no one, right? Jake, you like cold showers. Hats off, brother. Way to, way to step out of your comfort zone. So I did this thing once where they said cold showers help reduce uh, the cortis cortisol, the stress in your body. It also helps you um, help with inflammation and all these things. And I'm a, I'm a kind of a tense individual. And uh, it's my, I'm going to say it's my Italian blood, but maybe it's just a bad habit I have. Maybe I quit blaming the ancestry and just say it's a bad habit. And, um, and so, so I started doing these cold showers. Yes, horrible. But I had to buy a stopwatch that I keep in the shower. So I would sequentially stopwatch my cold uh, sessions because I wanted to see if it helped me, you know, feel better. Did you know that the human body, and Nate knows this because he was in the Navy, the human body will stop shaking in freezing water after about 30 seconds because your body adjusts. And if you can endure the first 30 seconds, it ain't nothing but a thing after that because you can't feel nothing. No, that's not why. It's because your body adjusts. So I would do these, um, and I don't, like, recommend doing this all the time, and I haven't done it in a couple years. But, but by doing that, the hardest part was stepping into the water, the first second. That was the hardest part. After about, I was, I was doing, like, two minutes of, like, 20, 10, like, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, or something like that. Two minutes. And by, like, round three, it was, it was good. It was nothing. And it actually did feel better. And I noticed I was not yelling at my kids as much later in the day. And I was more mellow and relaxed. And I started seeing like uh, fruits of this thing. But, but the, the hardest part about it was that I had to t step into that freezing water and take that first step. That was the scary part. It was a mental thing, you see. The physical wasn't really the problem if I could get over the mental part of it. Do you know how many people are plagued by mental decision making in this country? I'm not saying they're mental. I'm saying that decision part of going to church, uh, I'm not good enough. Um, God won't use me. Um, I, I, I have too many fears. Like, it's all in the mind. It's in the mind. 
There is physical limitations, but the mind is what is the gatekeeper to you stepping out for the Lord and really pursuing anything because you've got to make a real decision first and say, I'm doing it, and not step back to the old habit. And so that's why comfort is such a big thing to God, that, that you see in the Bible all the times of struggle that happened to the people that God used that don't seem fair. No, but it doesn't look comfortable. And so when I see them struggle, I know they weren't comfortable. And that when God, God used them, he put them in a season that tested them, that proved what he entrusted them with. You following this? So if you got to get in a cold shower today, go for it. Hang in there for 30 seconds. It gets better. But if we're not careful, we fall into what the Bible calls mammon. And you're saying, well, how does comfort have to do with that? Because when you get comfortable enough, you start serving other things and don't even know it. Mammon is anything that takes the place of God. It becomes your, your source of faith, where you put your trust. In, and it's easy to do in a life of comfort. Comfort. I had so many clothes Michelle has bought me over the last four years in my closet this morning. I could not figure out what to do except go back to, like, the first couple I wore. You know, like anybody else, like, I didn't have but, like, two pair of shoes before I became a pastor. And I had, like, three nice shirts. Now I have, like, this plethora because I was trying to up my fashion game, and I don't even know how to pick because it's so, there's so many options, you know. Like, I'm so spoiled with it. So I went back to just a nice button down. You see? Who we serve determines who we follow. I could go all over the place today in theological examples there, but we baptize in Jesus' name because we're saying we follow the teachings of Jesus. That's why it matters. If I baptize in the name of Vincent, I follow Vincent. That's mammon, by the way. (laughs) John the Baptist baptized under repentance in the name, you know, under his repentance. That's why Jesus says, he says, who's greater to come after me? I am sho- whose shoes I'm not worthy to loosen, he'll baptize you with, with fire and the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. Like, it's a different baptism. It's a different, it's a different mission. Uh, John's was a, 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 a preparing mission to bring you to the Messiah when he came. So, like, all that to say, that's who we serve. Who we follow, and who we follow is who we serve. And claiming and professing is a decision that new Christians make. Some of y'all have been in church your whole life. You still can't make a decision. How long are we going to live in new Christian phase? That's what sanctification matters. If we can't, if we can't grow wiser, something's broken with the formula. And I preach it myself. When I get really angry at y'all, I'm not really mad at y'all. I'm actually yelling at myself. That's what good preachers do. That's my little pat on the back there. Good, good boy, Pastor Jeff. You're doing good. You're doing good, Pastor Jeff. Get this, the enemy's not trying to steal your God, he's trying to steal your attention. Because if he can take your attention, Jen, he can take everything. It's so much easier for him to take your attention. He can't beat God. He's a fool to try. And as foolish as the devil is, Vincent, he knows he can't beat God. He go, he's still a little smart and crafty. He says, I'll just take your attention. Speaking of... Should I tell him, Caleb, Colton, what we're going to start doing at home because of an attention problem? This is all good. Don't get upset because this is going to be funny, okay? He says, no, don't tell him. Well, Daddy puts on his phone every night now uh, 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 listening exercises. I'm going to start drilling them because something is happening with our kids. Maybe it's because they see their dad doing it. 
Oh, that's me. They can't remember nothing. Surprised they remember their names. Cody. I'm like, where do they get this from? And then I go, I taught them that. The world's teaching them that. And the devil goes, I like that. Because the more I can steal their attention, the more I can just keep them from doing anything. It's easy to just live in complacency and waste time. But when God can get your attention, he can bring you back to focus. And that happens through the proving ground. Getting out of your comfort zone. You know how many new people that come to church, uh, we've gotten some stuff online. Oh, my Lord. I don't know what church these people went to, but they're so mad at us. Not us, one seed. The Christians, they're mad at Christians. You You know what it is? They see them say one thing, and then they go out and live another way. I can't tell you some of the junk I have found out that what I thought some of my Christian brothers and sisters were doing. I was shocked. And I'm, I'm not perfect, but, but I was shocked at what people do. Anything. Anything. Sometimes, sometimes the more professing they are, the worse they are during the week. It's a, hide, it's a hiding game. And so people see that. And guess what it does? It steers them back to comfort land, back to doing nothing, back to that's not for me because why would I want to live like them? And some of them are really studying and go, I know the scripture, and that's not, a, that's, not, that's not of God, so why would I go to that modern Christian church? Because they're not following the scripture either. Like, like, and they claim to be atheists. But really, they're just, they're just, they're just defending against uh, a conviction to go because they see the church, who's supposed to be the steward, not living according to this t- the text. Does that make sense? That's why this really, really matters, that we, we pay attention to how we are stewarding Every day, all day, what does our Facebook look like? Uh-oh. What does our Instagram feed look like? Is it talking about the Lord? Is it talking about how blessed you are? What's it talking about? Can I get somebody together today? Come on, somebody. Can we be real? If you don't have one, yes. And that's the smart way to go. I blame it on the church, why I'm addicted to my social media. My kids say, Dad, can we play? And I say, sorry. I'm working on it. But seriously, people who want to know God look to establish Christians for an example. And if they can't find it, they use it to run back away. That's why once you know the truth, the Bible says to much is given, much is required. Because if you know the truth and you're not holding the truth, that hurts people. It hurts people. It hurts people online if they're watching. When you're watching some people, they'll just find a reason. But I'm talking about people who really want to know. If we steal them, steer them off course, the Bible says we're, we're accountable for that. If I'm not demonstrating what I profess, my faith is in vain. And if I'm not professing, get this, my faith is still rooting. There's a difference between pregnancy and birth. You think Camilla wanted to stay in there forever? No, she said 40 weeks. I'm outie, G. Audi 5000 G, that's an old saying. Anybody know it? Audi, Audi 5000 G? Can I get some, some people who know what I'm talking about? Okay, we got four. Some urban slang up in the one seed. <laughs> some people don't know. Remember last week he said it's different for them. They don't know. But once the preacher preaches it into your soul, that's why we got to shout it in. We got to dig it into your soul. That's why they call it preaching. 
because I, I, I was talking to a preacher once, and I never heard him say this. He goes, the reason the Bible has to be preached is because it's got to penetrate into the soil of the heart. And if you don't preach it, people just let it bounce off. That's why you got to really, like, go after it. And plus, the Spirit of God will make the preacher just want to preach it. Because it's exciting to share the power of the living word. And so it's this two-way thing, and that's when lives change, is when those two connect. But it's okay if you're not professing because you don't know. You're still rooting. You're still germinating. But once you know, it's time to let that thing grow out of the soil. And entrustment happens through that proving ground, that test but you got to be willing to step into the desert when it's hot. Step into the sickness sometimes. Sometimes you got to step into the family feud, and I'm not talking about the game show. You got to step into the ugly place sometimes to test how will you handle, and then God actually can show you something new you got to step into the proving grounds because the proving grounds, according to the scripture, are also the pruning grounds. God grows you on the proving grounds by pruning you like the tree with the dead branches. you got to trim that thing back. I posted something a few, few days ago. I said, grow something new. Quit trying to make dead branches grow again. you got to grow something new. You can't keep growing from a dead root. You get this? So at some point, you got to prune that thing. You ever seen Mr. Miyagi, the, the bonsai trees? What did he do? He pruned them back. Somebody got bushes. You prune the bushes every year because when you prune the bushes, they come out nice and pretty in the spring or, you know. Pruning is a good thing. God never said it would be easy. I'm not looking for easy. I'm looking for what God wants. I can't say any of the apostles said this was easy. Now, I'm not saying I want what they had. Their story was pretty rough. And I really don't know if my faith is as strong as, as theirs was, that I could go to my death in front of my kids or whoever. That's because God's still rooting in me. That my faith, even as a pastor, maybe it's not as, 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 as tested as I think it is because I live in today's era. We don't know what it's like to go, to go to our death for Jesus. And I'm not saying go find out. But I'm saying, like, remember the little girl? Who would follow? Who would drop their nets? I would. The little girl said it. And all the adults in the room said nothing. That was so good because we think through it. We hesitate. But a child's faith is pure and they don't hesitate. They'll jump into the proving grounds head first if you let them. They'll slide in like home plate in the World Series. And proving grounds are pruning grounds. Will you follow Jesus into this area? It's an adversity. You're going to learn something, and you're going to struggle. But if you're willing to fight through the 30 seconds of shaking, it'll, it'll, it'll get easier, like the shower. It's the first part that makes it so hard. It's embracing the change that makes it so hard. And we show our faithfulness to God through these tests. It hurts to change sometimes. But healing can only happen from hurt, from a blow. When you work a muscle, you have to break it down so it can grow stronger. You can't go into the gym like I try to and just think about it and get 
healthier. I can't just think about eating good at night. I have to actually not eat the 12 uh, peanut cookies. What are, those, what are those cookies she had? Uh, what do they call Chloe? What are they? No, the peanut cookies she had when Kayla was born. Nutter butters. Does anybody know what nutter butters are? I ate 12 last night. See, I got issues. I can't help if they go down like Tic Tacs, Jen. I don't think I even had a chew to get one of those things. It was like 12, that's half the box. Why well, had to get up and preach the next day? So I just want to be able to make it here consciously. If I ate the whole box, I mean, I could have, I could have, Allison. I could, don't challenge me. I might try the whole box next time. But Michelle will be mad because I ate her cookies. Okay. <laughs> Post, I'm going to just throw this out. My wife just had a baby, and when you eat her cookies, you're asking for it. <laughs> but it hurts to change. It hurts to change, but you can't heal unless you go through something that strikes you enough, that shocks your system, like that freezing water. You got to shock your system into like, whoa, 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 what is going on? Okay, okay, like you got my attention, God. Like that's what has to happen to you. And sometimes it's ugly. It was ugly for me when I was 25. I was living like just like everything I said I would never do. That's when God got me hard by the hook in the mouth. Pulled me out like a fish in the water, struggling to breathe. Get me out of that water. That's what he did. And that's what you have to fight sometimes and go through for him to be seen like he wants you to see him. It hurts to change. But if you want to grow, you just can't stay comfortable forever. My boys wrestle, and they're in... Are you in season six, Caleb? Seven? It's like, yeah, seven, Dad. They all talk in their Sylvester Stallone voices. Colton's like, yeah, I'm going to quit when I've done it about 10 years. I'm like, when are you going to first learn the moves before you quit? If you don't know the moves. <laughs> so, so they wrestle, and um, sometimes they get it handed to them, if you know what I mean. And uh, sometimes there's tears. And some weeks they put, what they do, this is really good. Some weeks they put the kids, actually Blaine just started. What's up, Blaine? Give it up for Blaine. He just joined the Junior Vikings. <laughs> Francis Howell, Junior Vikings, shout out. Coach Corley, Coach Drew. Um, some weeks they'll take the boys and put them with someone who's newer than them. And they come out cocky and arrogant, Rusty. They're like, yeah, I was whooping that kid. I'm like, well, that's because the coach was giving you a break this week. Then the next week, like this week that just came up, coach put him with some kids that were way ahead of them. And Colton's like, yeah, he just kept pushing my face in the mat and saying, get down. I'm like, well, you know, that's a little rough, but I think coach wanted you to feel that. You know why? He wanted you to feel that struggle of, hey, I can't carry this on my own. And he did. He was really helpless to the kid kid was like two, two, three years older, and he was one of the other coach's sons who are all national champions. So he was getting worked, and the kid wasn't even, wasn't even trying. He was playing with them. But that's what you want. You want to be thrown into deep water sometimes so you can learn what it feels like. One time, oh, dear, this is bad flashbacks and tight singlets. 
I was in a wrestling tournament in the 11th grade in Lee Summit, Missouri, and I thought I was getting better. I thought I was good that year, Cody. And then they stuck me with this kid, Owen Bratton, from Lee Summit, Missouri, 160 pounds, 11th grade. All I could do is crawl out of bounds. Every time they started again, the kid would, I knew he was going to go double leg my legs, right? And every time, I couldn't stop him, though, and I knew it was coming. That scared me, Rusty. I felt helpless. Owen Bratton, he kept crawling. He, kept, he, was, he had this, this look on his face. He was smiling at me every time we stood back up. And I'm like, this is not good. What do I do? What do I do? And uh, I wasn't even thinking about Jesus. And uh, he would get me down, and to keep from getting pinned, I would just kind of just stretch and crawl to the circle to get my foot out of bounds so the ref would stop it. That's all I could do. Well, it turns out he was the second in the state that year. And I was pretty new at wrestling. I'm not, I wasn't even good. So why did I get to wrestle that kid? I was helpless. Guess what match I never forget? That one. The ones I did good at, the ones in practice like that I did good at, I don't remember none of that. The one I remember is the one I was helpless. That kid just ran me in circles. And I saw, man, I got a, there's levels to this. I got a lot to learn. There's levels to worship. There's levels to preaching God's word. There's levels to faithfulness in our Christian walk. There's levels to this. So when are we going to go to the next level, like in Zelda? Get the white sword. Get off the wood sword. It don't kill him as fast. Does anybody remember the game? 80s, baby? They've already recreated it for all you new generations. But we had the gold cartridge, so take that. I don't know if they have the gold one anymore, but mine was real gold. Seriously. You will thank God for your fights. You will thank God for your battles. You will thank God that he woke you up when you thought you had it figured out. Because if you had it figured out and he didn't wake you up, where would you be now? Dear Lord. Has anybody else had that moment? Jen, I think you're feeling me on this. We've had that moment of gratitude because we thought we had it figured out. I've been there. We need Jesus. Let yourself be. You got to crawl out of bounds of comfort, complacency, the status quo. You got to crawl out of being unnoticed. I want to be noticed, God. God says, get out there. Get noticed for me. And I'll show you something. Let yourself be known to God. Then you got to say, God, use me. If you want to be known to God and, and be, be thrown into the proving grounds and look back and go, wow, this changed my family's life. This changed my grandchildren because of this decision. You know, we got to think ahead of who we're doing this for. It's not all about us. I didn't plant this church for me. I planted it for my kids and their kids, truthfully, because it scared me what I saw. It scared me. And when you look ahead about your, who you can impact with God's word, that will steer you to think differently. And you'll be on your best behavior. And you'll start enjoying it too. That's the thing. I was always the guy in the back of the church, out as soon as it was over, falling asleep when the preacher would preach. God, please let him not go any longer. Let me just get back up there and play guitar already. You know? That's why I can't be that guy now, the long-winded one. I'd be contradictory. 
Here's the solution, guys. How do I tie this back to a practical application into tomorrow with this whole steward thing? It's that you may be carrying what the person in the drive-thru needs. Do you understand? The world is lost without Jesus according to the text. That's scary, and we don't like to, you know, scare people. I'm not trying to scare nobody. I'm just giving you the word. The Bible says that the, the, the road to, to salvation is narrow, but the freeway to the other end is wide open, speeding, no traffic. They're all going, going, going. So when you think of life like that, you think, well, maybe I should at least say something. Maybe I should try something. Nate, how many signs we got going out in the next two weeks? How many? How many did we start with when we had the Bible study? Most of you weren't even here yet. We went from two to eight to 24 to 96. I don't know if you all know what 96 A-frame signs look, look like. That is a fleet that covers a county. We have 12 zones of eight signs each. I won't go into the logistics of it, but we are trying to send a message in fact, Nolani, thank you. She said only 24, and she was kind of kidding. And that bugged me. So I said, we're getting 96 then. I'm not joking. She was kidding, but I'm thinking, can we do more? That's what I said. Well, I thought it was a lot, but can we do more? What kind of message can we send? When we, when we attack the county in a good way for the Lord in such an aggressive way, we're going to really send a message that we mean business with this church. That's why we're doing it pedal to the metal, people. That's why we're breaking all the rules. Well, you're supposed to build out your building in this type of way. We don't have time for that. If we can find a way, if God blesses it, we're going to do it now. Well, your church should be at this capacity before you spend this much in this. I don't know. If I can find a way, I'm going to do it anyway. If there's three people. Because I want to shock people and have a spiritual shock to their system. Go, I've never seen it done like this. That's what we're doing. We don't want to be the neighbor. And they got a good thing going. But we're one seat church. And we're doing it our way. It's our perfect plan. Remember the mission, the vision of 1C Church is discover your perfect plan made just for you. The mission of the church is to extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ through each of our perfect plan. So when we all get the vision and we go after that so hard, people are going to go, whoa. I don't even understand. I told a friend of mine from Faith Church, that is probably the biggest church in Missouri. They got seven locations. They are mess. I said, we had 96 signs. He goes, 96. He gave me deer in headlights. I'm like, oh, man, maybe that's too many. I just freaked out. I just freaked out a big church. Maybe, am I thinking this through, Lord? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Or is this, you know, you do that. But I'm, I'm saying that was cool. Because no one is doing that. And that's what we want to do with everything. We want people to come in here and go, I've never felt it like that. It was so digestible. It was healthy, and I still liked eating it. I thought I had to go to the fast food restaurant to get something that tasted good, but they gave me good word, and I still left feeling really good. That, I'm not used to that. They loved me. They said, we can't wait to see you. They hugged me. If I let them, you know, post, you know, corona, we'd be careful. But, like, they, they really genuinely, authentically seemed to care that I was there. You know how many people say I go into church and no one, says, no one ever said hello to me? That's shocking. What kind of stewards are we? 
It's not about us. It's about them. It is about you. But once you get to this certain level, it's now about them. So you may be carrying their answer. That's why we bought chairs. Yeah, did it help the church pay some debt off? Uh, yes, it did. But it's bigger than that. You are providing for someone who doesn't even know they need the chair yet. You get that? You don't even know. You're so faithful that you're buying chairs for people that don't even know they're lost yet. That don't even know they need one seat church yet. But they're going to find out. And when that day comes, God says, I set you up to bless them. Because you carry what they need. And that's why we did it, Jen. That's why we bought them anyway. Jen says, how long we got? I said, I don't know. We're buying them either way. I said, we're buying them either way. But this helps the church pay for it. But the church is buying them either way. Because we're on a mission. We're on a timeline. Nilani said something. I said, if I'm not whiteheaded by then. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. This has been the most enjoyable three weeks of my personal journey. Getting in our space. This is so exciting. Watch this come to life. Y'all can stand with me. You may carry what they need. I want to give you a passage real quick. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you, okay, this is important, and I got a little excited about the building again. I tend, to, I tend to digress back to the building stuff, but this is important. It says, each of you should use whatever gift, hear that? Gift you have received. Well, I just want to do this to serve God. That may not be the gift you received from God to serve others. It says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Not everybody needs a microphone, that might be a bad thing. Not everybody should be a greeter, that might be a bad thing. Not everybody should be a, 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 um, a logistical planner, that might be a bad thing. Like everybody has a gift that God put in them and together, the synergy, you've seen it on our website, the, the, mission, the mission statement, um, the core values, that the synergy of the various gifts, the scripture says, together is how we will change the world. And that's how we're doing it. If we had, had if we talked about it, if everybody was a thumb, who needs so many thumbs? We need the body. We need the head. We need the feet. We need the arms. We need the legs. When we see that together, oh, it's so good because we carry together what the world needs through the, through the mission. Serving God is stewarding the things of God. When you leave today and you think of how do I serve God, do I steward the things of God? Am I an agent that represents what God represents to others as I approach them in life? Todd White, he is uh, extreme about this. Anybody know who Todd White is? He's an evangelist uh, minister, and he, he is like exhausted with telling people about Jesus. It makes me tired. That's all he does. He goes all over the world, and he just says, hey, do you know Jesus? The drive-through, uh, the Middle East, uh, New York in the workout rooms, everywhere. And then he prays for them, and, and, and sometimes they get healed, and it, it's pretty neat to watch. You should check him out sometime, uh, Todd, Todd White Ministries. We've got lots of ways to serve in church, too. If you don't know how to start, that's why we have serving in church. We've got O-Kids, we've got uh, audio, we've got video, we've got media now, we've got worship, we've got setup team with those 96 signs. Yeah, that's a lot, I know. Don't worry, we got it we worked out. We're not going to kill y'all. Uh, we got that. We've got um, other, other teams. We're going to have outreach teams. We're going to have event planning teams. We're going to have so many, so many things that are coming. There's a, there's a spot for you. There's a spot for you to use that gift, is what I'm saying. 
but you got to be willing to step into the proving grounds. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand here and be one body and recognize the accountability of what it means to steward your word. And we're thankful for that. We don't get scared from pressure. We embrace it because it's opportunity to grow. And we're, we're ready to grow, God. We're ready to shake up St. Charles County, God. I can't wait till people keep saying, man, I keep seeing those signs. They're making me crazy. And I say, yeah, that's the devil trying to stop you from coming to 1C Church because God wants to change your life. And so that's good. We're going to keep planting those signs and planting the seed and, and doing everything we can as, as fast as we can to show people they need you. God, we give thanks now. Let us take this into tomorrow. Let us apply this teaching tomorrow, every day, daily. Let us show that we are able to be trusted in the proving gowns and out of that season into the next chapter. We, we accept the challenge, Lord. The house of God can say right now, in Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen.